This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to the Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods, and I'm joined, as always, by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, living my best life. Went on vacation for the weekend and did a lot of hiking, so pretty excited about that. Don't feel like I missed much in college football, and I'm sure for you, since the Cyclones weren't playing, it was a like solid weekend. It was, yeah. We're on a bye week. Moved up to 17th in the AP poll. The polls, whenever we're ranked, it's kind of hit or miss for us, so I don't know. We won last week, but... We'll see what happens. Got OSU on deck, um, Oklahoma State. They're ranked like sixth or whatever, so it'll be a good game. We're, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the squad yet. We're, it's, it's, uh, it's been a successful season so far, but we'll see. We'll see where, where we go. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess. I mean, I think that's fair. Um, and that's a good way to approach the season. I'm sure plenty of fans, football fans in general, are cautiously optimistic about their team um if they've started strong yeah you know if you keep the expectations so somewhat, somewhat low you can't get hurt emotionally so that's what i'm doing i'm emotionally hedging i guess <laughs> and is wyoming wyoming's are they they're playing later this year right or is that not happening or? they're starting this month so they'll month. i i know there were some shifts in the schedule in the mountain west because players had tested positive but wyoming should be starting soon um, I am realistic and I think they're just going to be okay. Um, with it just being a really weird season, it's just a weird start. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that Wyoming exceeds all expectations and just crushes it. But, um, I don't really like going in super optimistic cause then my heart ends up broken. <laughs> Were you there when Josh Allen was there? Yeah. What was that like? Time. I'm just um, now connecting cool. that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. Um, it was fun to be part of that. And I was working at the athletic department at the time. So that was really fun. Um, for two of the years he played, I think. And so the year that he got drafted, I was working at CU Boulder, but, um, it was still like super exciting. Like I worked with someone who was from Rochester and so Rochester's like an hour from Buffalo. And I was like, the Bills got Josh Allen. This is so exciting. Um, so it was like, it was cool to be able to like see Wyoming get that kind of recognition nationally. And like the bar that they showed when he got drafted, I don't even know why they picked the Buckhorn. Like it's not the nicest bar in Laramie. Laramie's mostly bars, like to be completely honest, but like they could have gone literally anywhere else. <laughs> I wonder what that's like to, you know, we've I, a few years ago when we thought that Lazard would get drafted, 
and he didn't. And that was like a big thing. I know that there are people, you know, he had a watch party at an Urbandale bar. He's from Urbandale, um, which is a suburb of Des Moines. Uh, that's actually where I lived um, from like second grade on was, was in Urbandale, really close to Des Moines. And so that was a big thing. And like there was, you know, the news people were there and then he ended up, he didn't end up getting drafted. So that was kind of a, a punch to the gut. He's doing well now. Obviously he's hurt, but you know, he had a kind of a good couple first games. So it's always nice to have that local connection, I guess, when you're at the smaller schools or the um, schools that historically don't put a lot of guys into the NFL. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we try to, I mean, I, 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 he's doing great for, I believe, right. Allen's doing pretty well, isn't he? Yeah. Josh Allen's doing pretty all right. Um, he like kind of gets crapped on a little bit by some of the sports people, but like some are, pretty positive when I say some I like think of Bill Simmons who's just like Josh Allen is trash and like he has no business (laughs) and I'm like that's rude and um it's one of many reasons why I'm like okay Bill Simmons like I don't think I can listen to you anymore dog like this ain't it um I do not accept Josh Allen slander so for those of you listening and you're like yeah I'm gonna like talk trash about Josh Allen I will not have it I will delete that I'll be like you are wrong go be like somewhere else with that kind of take um I mean like kind of it's kind of like that for any player that came from Wyoming and went into the NFL and I'm sure for the same for Iowa State like you you don't accept any like trash talk about the guys that came from Iowa State not at all especially Lazard who I mean I've been talking shit because like Lazard should have been drafted like yeah however many receivers were drafted ahead of him like it's just ridiculous like he should have been drafted and I think that you can see especially this year at the beginning, you can see why that is because he was he was having a heck of a year, and hopefully, when he comes back, um, he can kind of pick up pick up where he left off. Um, Green Bay got manhandled today, so we'll, we'll move on quickly from that. <laughs> we'll move on quickly. This is this isn't a sports co- uh, podcast, and that's a good segue to to get out of the sports talk because that was a brutal game. Yeah. We are talking about albums this this week. This is our final albums podcast. We're going to yeah. do the mailbag next week, but this is our our last. Um, our last albums podcast. How does how do you feel? I guess wrapping up this experience. Uh, I feel like I've listened to more music in the last like two months than I have in the last seven months, where I've been at home just like playing music to have like noise, um, like to pick the albums. For a good number of them, I was like, oh, I should listen through a couple different artists before being like, oh yeah, let's pick this one. Um, and so it ended up just being like, oh yeah, I should listen to more music and like kind of dig into that. Um, cause it's very easy to just be like, oh yeah, here's like the top 40 and just like go with that and have that playing when you just want noise. Um, but you don't have like, I'm like, oh, I really could just listen to Elton John. Like I can do that. It's fine. Um, and find like making or finding playlists. So it's been really good just for listening to music but like going through these different albums has been really fun and like it's made me because I don't always think super critically about the albums that I'm listening to I'm just like yeah I like the sound of it but um I I think listening to a couple of these that we've talked about have it's just been like so intentional and I'm like oh yeah like this is like such a good album um like um a seated table is like the immediate one that comes to mind where I'm like, this is a perfect album. 
why would I listen to not a perfect album when these exist? Sure. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. And especially when you talk about just listening with intentionality, which is something that I haven't really done a lot of. Uh, I used to do that when I was younger and when I had the time uh, to just kind of sit with albums and, and play them over and over again. I think about maybe the time period of, in my life where I was doing that the most, which was like late high school, um, early college, whenever new music would come out. I think I t- talked about this a little bit in one of the earlier episodes, but being in high school, my senior year, uh, second semester senior year, I had computer apps. And I remember I would be, I would get my work done as quick as I could so that I could just go and just listen to music for the rest of the, for the rest of the class period and like seek out new music to listen to. and and um, you know, really think about it and, and kind of sit with it and, and talk to people about it. And that's not something that I've done since then. So this experience is, has given me the opportunity to do that again. And as someone who really loves and enjoys music, it's been really positive for me. It's been very illuminating. And, you know, we will, especially with these albums that we're talking about tonight, which are just, uh, uh, just like stunningly good albums. Um, it's been good to like, you know, these, it's, uh, most of these albums from tonight specifically, I was familiar with and had heard before and, you know, but to actually dive into it and listen to it from beginning to end, it's just been, been really rewarding, I guess. So I'm excited to talk about these. We, this episode is albums that came out before we were born. So I was born in 89, you were born in 93, and mm-hmm. all of these albums, we have three albums from the 70s and one from the 80s. And um, we did, your your two albums were Rovoka um, and Rumors, mm-hmm. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac, and then Rovoka by Redbone. And then I picked Parade by Prince and Talking Book by Stevie Wonder. So these are... Um, some Hall of Fame albums here. Yes. And I guess, why did you, um, why did you pick uh, your two albums? Um, so Rumors is easier to pick why, or say why I picked it. Um, it's an excellent album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is so good, and I think everyone likes it. It's not like one of those albums where someone who enjoys, like, classic rock is like, yeah, it's only them who enjoys it. Like everyone at some point has heard a song off this album, like deciding the songs like to be for the categories where we like pick them. Um, I'm with some friends and like one of them, I'm like, which song would you say? Like, I, I, I need to just talk through this because this album, there's so many good songs off of it. Like how do you pick and how do you like break it apart? Um, And so I picked Rumors because I knew a good number of the songs and it is just phenomenal. So, of course, I'm like, well, this is a great song, a great album that came out before um, I was born that generations enjoy. And then Wavoka, I, this is where I like listened to a couple different albums from artists that I was like, okay, well, this came out before I was born. Um, you know, would this be something good to talk about? Would this be just kind of a gimme? Um, like I almost, I texted you that I would, I was going to pick like the Beastie Boys, um, Mm -hmm. because that would have been easy. Um, I like the Beastie Boys and I'm like, people know what we're talking about and they'll really like it. 
Um, and since we've already been talking about like hip hop and rap, um, it kind of fits into that. Uh, but then I think I found like a playlist of like oldies ish. And that's why I'm thinking of like Elton John. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I should do, um, like whoever did come and get your love, uh, after going through several songs that were like kind of popular like this, where I'm like, okay, what other songs do people know by, um, these artists, um, and I had not heard of, um, Redbone other than this song. So I was like, well, that'd be fun to just kind of, everyone knows come and get your love. Like that is a song that anyone hears the, Hey, they like, know. So, um, that was just to talk about something that maybe or a group that like people don't necessarily hear about them. Um, and so that was more why woke up by Redbone was picked what um why'd you pick talking book and parade I feel like I know why you picked parade but <laughs> <laughs> yeah I um I, I I'll talk about parade first that's it's I mean it's Prince so you know how big of a Prince fan I am he's you know probably my favorite artist and parade is the album of his that probably appeals the most to my musical sensibilities so that's why I picked that one. And I'll be interested to um, talk to you about that one in terms of like the context and, and what that album was made and how it connects to it's, the, you know, it's the soundtrack to a movie. So we can talk about that a little bit. Um, and, and then talking book, I mean, it's, you know, Stevie wonder is someone to me who was like, that's the highest level of music. And I wanted to pick an album of his, I, it was between this and Music of My Mind. And he released both of those albums in the same year, which is kind of mind-boggling to me. But I, I wanted to kind of engage with Stevie Wonder's like classical period because he's famous for having this run of albums. Um, some people think that, some people consider Talking Book the start of that run. Some people consider Music of My Mind the start of that run. But he goes, you know, Music of My Mind, Talking Book, and then Inner Visions, and Fulfilling is His First Finality, finale, um, Songs in the Key of Life. And it's just, you know, he, he his musical output is just kind of, um, you know, during that time, it's just like he has genius kind of just pouring out of him. And so I wanted to revisit one of those albums and kind of talk about it. And... I, I'll i save my my takes for that, for Talking Book when we get to that album, but um, suffice it to say, it's just, it blew me away. And this is one that, you know, I'm familiar with Talking Book. I've heard most of the songs before, but just sit and listen to it from beginning to end. It just kind of um, floored, me, floored me with how brilliant it is. Uh, which one, which, which album which do you want to talk about first? I usually have an idea of which one I want to get into first, but this week, for whatever reason, I'm just, we can get into anyone. Which, what do you, which, which record do you want to kind of dive into first? Let's talk about Lavoca first because okay. this might be very much a, my, my take. It's a good album of the three, of the four. It's like not the strongest. It's the weakest sure. album of the four. Um, and I think that because like come and get your love is like the most catchy song off the album. And this is not something I'd like really thought about. 
um, with other albums we had discussed where I'm like, oh, like how many songs are catchy off of an album? Because for the most yeah. part, we've had albums where like there are lots of singles that come off of them or um, lots of songs that you can like sit and listen to and be like, yeah, this is great. This is amazing. Um, and this one kind of to me, I'm like, well, it's like I would listen to this and I would listen to it again. Um, I listened to it through a few times and I was like, this is really good, but I understand why only one song people uh, talk about. Yeah, it's interesting, like listening to this and then to the, like just these, the Wavoco Rumors and Talking Book, like these yeah. 370s albums. Yeah. And kind of dissecting the differences between that type of music and, and what's being put out now, I guess. Or even just, you know, that comparative to like 80s albums, which we've we've talked about a couple of 80s albums in the 90s, obviously. And then um, just the differences between the different time periods. I feel like 70s music kind of gets a bad rap. Yeah. And listening to Avoca, it's more, it's just sorts of like, a lot of it is just, to me, it was like background music, kind of like groovy. Yeah. Um, like just really um, in the pocket grooves, kind of laid back. Uh, you know, when we talk about classic rock, and you, you certainly we'll talk about this with Rumors, but you, you think about these iconic songs, and Rumors has like five iconic songs, whereas Rovoka is more like, like you know, you, you have Come and Get Your Love, but the rest of the the rest of the rest songs are just kind of like grooves, but they're kind of indistinguishable, indistinguishable between each other. Yeah. And I enjoy listening to it. But I, I certainly understand what you mean by saying it's the weakest because it just it has the the it's the album with the least amount of songs that stuck with me. Do you kind of get that sense too? Yes, where it's not say, it's not to say that the the songs are not um, enjoyable. It's just that they they don't stick with you enough where you could be like, please recall this song. It's like no, I don't know. If like it came on, you'd be like, yeah, like I I'd listen to this and I'd like I'd probably play it at a get together. Um, but it, oh, it's not fair that it's like up against rumors and talking book at all. Um, I, I think that there is plenty of good music that came out in the seventies and like, it's easy to get lost in the mix. And this is one of those albums that like, um, I'm sure got lost in the mix of all of these other really great albums and artists. I did think about how, and I'm not an expert on this, obviously, but like, so it's like Redbone is a, a native band. It's a um, band made up of indigenous people. And I could sort of hear, you know, there's a little bit of the classic rock combined with like, you know, traditional um, yeah. native music, which I thought was cool. And it made me want to kind of do a little bit more research on that and kind of dig into that a little bit more. Um, that's not something that's very popular now or mainstream now, however you want to say it. But I just think that it was really dope how they kind of um, matched up the kind of traditional music with the with the classic rock of the time. And, um, you know, the result, again, is just, you know, pretty, pretty laid back, pretty um, easy listening, classic rock type of stuff. But it's, there's definitely, you know, you can tell the difference between something like this and an album like Rumors. Not not beyond just, you know, Rumors being such an iconic album, but just like the musical styles. Like there's some similarities there, but Wovoka is very much um, like it, the, 
the, the title track starts with like, um, there's like chanting and, you know, the drums are a little bit different. So that type of stuff I thought was interesting and I found really cool. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's fun. And I think it's a good, like, they do a nice job of combining um, like rock and funk and like a little bit of like, um, I don't know, I guess bringing like Native American like style of music in. Like, I think it's good, um, a good combination of all these things and they bring it together really well. Um, just would have, man, it would have been great if they had like one other song that just had like the um, popularity of Come and Get Your Love. I agree. That song kind of carries the album. And yeah. I agree. It would have been nice to have kind of like one more kind of not necessarily on par with that because that's just like, that's an incredible song. It's one of yeah. the one of the most famous 70 songs period, but just kind of get, you know, comparative to these other two seventies albums that we're talking about, that we're going to talk about again, like those just have those, there's multiple iconic songs on those. So. Yes. Um, and, and it would like, because they are like, they, again, they do an excellent job of combining different types of genres. Like it wouldn't have to be a song that sounds or seems anything like come and get your love. It doesn't have to be the same vibe at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and they would have, I think it would have been executed very well. Maybe it's just the marketing. The marketing of the 70s just, it didn't hit. That's another, I mean, it's just, um, when you talk about things like marketing, like things are just so different now. Like the musical yeah. landscape is so different. And I, I remember, so there's this, this, speaking of, you were mentioning Bill Simmons earlier, but on The Ringer, there's this new podcast um, called, 60 songs that explain the nineties mm -hmm. and I haven't heard about it. I haven't heard the podcast yet, but one of the shows that I listened to, that's a part of the ringer, they had like kind of like a preview of that, of that podcast. And they had one of the hosts on that show. And the first episode, they do like a song each per episode. And the first episode is about you ought to know by Alanis Morissette. Mm -hmm. And so they're talking about that and how popular the song was. And, you know, just like record sales and everything like that is just so different where it's like, you know, first of all, we track record sales differently now, but like, you know, a, a record selling a million copies in a week, like that doesn't happen anymore. Whereas that happened with regularity, like in the nineties. And then, you know, thinking back into earlier decades, like the eighties and the seventies where, you know, musical sales, just like the sale of music and how, or how many units are sold, like that's was so much more in the center of culture than it is now um in the streaming you know universe or whatever and so you know going to a store and buying a record physically was the norm which that doesn't exist anymore and so i don't know when you think about i, I marketing music also is different now because it's so much more internet driven and it's so much more um I don't know if word of mouth is the right phrase, but it's just so there, there's so much more, you know, social media is so, so much more driver of those types of thing, that, things now, whereas it didn't exist back in the day. So I, I, I do think about or wonder about how music was marketed back then versus now and then like how that could kind of create a hit then versus the way it does now. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I guess that's a good segue into if you want to talk about rumors, yeah. which is kind of 
coming back into, you know, the song Dream or Dreams has kind of entered the consciousness more within the last, you know, week or two weeks or whatever because of a TikTok video. Yep. Um, is Did that have anything to do with why you picked it or? Um, it might have like subconsciously, but Fleetwood Mac is regularly in the rotation for me. Okay, sure. Um, I put some Fleetwood Mac on like a running playlist when I was like doing long runs just for something a little bit slower and calmer. Um, and yeah, it helps that on TikTok, like <laughs> that guy that's skateboarding and listening to that and drinking like places sold out of cranberry juice, which I'm like, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How? Who, who? No one's drinking it. You're all wasting it. Um, because I had a friend who was like, I went to the store. There's no cranberry juice. I'm like, it's because of TikTok. That's why there wasn't any like, um, like at the beginning of the year, oh, well, like in March, uh, places like grocery stores were sold out of instant coffee because of the um, whipped coffee trend that was on TikTok. So um, that is an incredible marketing tool that none of these albums had back in the day yeah but yet yeah like come and get your love there are plenty of tiktoks where people use like part of it like tiktoks can be like a minute long so it's not the full song but it's enough where like people are listening to it um same with rumors where i i am sure it started with the one song but the whole album is excellent (laughs) yeah 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 um and it's just like made funnier by like this is so awful to say, but so there was some like drama with the members of Fleetwood Mac and they were like singing about each other. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, man, if every band that like was getting into it with each other made an album that was this iconic, that'd be amazing for them in their uh, industry. Not so great for them personally. They'd have to get a new band or just work through it. There's kind of um, this like kind of recurring theme with that in terms of, I don't know. I don't know if that's just the 70s or 60s or whatever. Like you hear about, you know, towards the end of the Beatles tenure and they're like fighting and there's, you know, kind of a power struggle and there are people trying to go their own way. And yet, you know, their, their albums from the late 60s before they broke up are considered pretty iconic and they're, they're putting out all this, you know, incredible material also a lot of drug use which i believe is the same with rumors too um checks out you know a lot of fighting a lot of infighting a lot of drug use a lot of experimentation and um you know we did tragic kingdom and uh as in our first episode and arguably the most famous song off that album which is don't speak is about um you know gwen stefani and, and another band member it's like a breakup song and um Tony Canal, I think, um, she had, you know, they had broken up and that, you know, they're working on the song together and it becomes so popular, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's about um, a broken relationship with people in the band. So yes, it's kind of crazy how that, how that works and how that kind of fuels bands and they can sort of channel their rage or, um, sadness or, or whatever other emotion you want to say into the music and then it becomes so popular, but they're kind of working through it in such a public way that's kind of kind of wild to me i guess i can't imagine doing that but i guess if you're an uh, an artist that's kind of 
I don't know if you're used to it or what, but you you have to make some sort of peace with that in order to put it out into the world like that. And then it becomes so popular and you're like, you know, performing the song every night and it just kind of becomes a part of your life in that way, which is, which is pretty wild to me. Um, I did think about how, um, so come and get your love off of Avoca and then the chain off of rumors. Like mm-hmm. I think of guardians of the galaxy for both those two songs Come and get oh, your yeah. love was on the first one. And then the chain is in guardians of the galaxy too. But, um, yeah, there were songs on here that I was familiar with and I didn't even realize it was Fleetwood Mac or, or on this album, like go your own way. Like when that song came on, um, when I was playing the album and that came on, I was like, Oh, I know this song. I didn't even know this was Fleetwood Mac. I didn't know this was. And so for you to say, you're pretty familiar with the band. You said that that's like, you know, you have it on your playlist, on your running playlist or, yeah. um, you know, I knew who they were and I knew it had Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, but like, and I knew that they did dreams, but beyond that, I didn't know a lot about the band, but you were more familiar with the band than me, I'm guessing. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like Fleetwood Mac is on a lot of like hipster trash playlists. And I, if folks haven't figured out by now, am hipster trash. That's fine. <laughs> I'm good with it. Like I, I accept that like that influences like the music I listen to. Um, so yeah. I, and like growing up, like my parents, I've talked about this. They listened to a lot of like, like my mom and stepfather listened to a lot of classic rock and like Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac was typically included in that and so um it i mean i enjoy most of the music i listened to growing up but for sure fleetwood mac is like a band that is a go-to now to like listen to and i'm just like oh like i don't necessarily want to listen to whatever was released on friday uh i'm a little scared listening to WAP for the millionth time i need something that is like not going to cause stress um Mm -hmm. and fleetwood mac even if you're not necessarily listening to the lyrics, um, it's pretty low key. And then when you do listen to the lyrics, you're just like, man, this like the songs, they build really nicely. And um, there's enough diversity in like the songs on the album. It's, uh, it's such a good classic rock album. <laughs> I guess we should have talked about that a little bit. Um just like kind of our, I, I don't really have a relationship to classic rock like that. My parents weren't listening to that. Like I was my, I, the, when I think about my parents' music, I think about like Marvin Gaye and I think mm-hmm. about um, certainly Stevie Wonder as well. I know my mom loves like Gladys Knight and you know, that type of thing. But like, I wasn't really introduced to classic rock until college through Guitar Hero. Oh, um, gotcha. So it was so like ACDC. We, well, yeah, well, like it was like that, but then also like Boston, like more than a feeling, which you know is is a great song, and so it was it was just like songs, like it wasn't like actual albums like this, gotcha. and in listening to this album, it just made me think about like you know you're when you're young, you're kind of told what music is great, you're mm-hmm. told by older generations like this is what you need to listen to, this is iconic, the Beatles and then Fleetwood Mac or whoever else. But, you know, when you sit down and listen to it for yourself, like what I thought while listening to this is just like, you know, there's a reason why, right? Like there's a reason why these albums are considered as good as they are, because they are like, this is, yeah. um, there's a lot of great songs on this and it's pretty, you know, pretty high level music. And yeah, I, my, I came to 
listen to or know what classic what classic rock was like kind of later in my life it's not something that was um i was really aware of growing up until i got to you know early 20s so it's again i'm trying to kind of and even since then it's not something that i listened to a lot but i was at least more made more aware of what it was so i can kind of draw on my experience from when i first listened to it and how how i i thought about it then and now listening to it now you know 10 11 years later listening to you know classic rock now and sort of knowing a little bit more about it but still not as much as i probably should um that's another reason why i love doing this this podcast so i can kind of parse how i'm feeling and kind of um figure out what i like versus what i what i don't like so it's interesting um you talking about like what we're told is good when we're young and like what our parents are listening to and then what we end up what it kind of evolves into like i feel like you know every age that we discussed albums from um in some way kind of like like built built up and um like as it i don't know like you can kind of see how it evolves right like you can see how like you listen you liking prince kind of it fits into liking artists like solange sure Um, sure and and so like I think about like the classic rock and how it very much <laughs> fits into the um I don't think I picked a folk album, but like I like the Lumineers. Um so it it's more like to me, I'm like, wow, like you can see like what the old stuff kind of what it what it was and what it kind of has changed into um like sure. I think it's been very fun that's been a really fun part about this is kind of connecting the albums throughout the years even if it's not something that you would necessarily go out of your way to listen to um but it's still within that sphere of like oh this influenced this music um like any any rapper hip-hop we listen to is now was probably influenced by like Wu-Tang Clan yeah yeah um so like that's it's just been really fun for that, um, and I I feel like plenty of rock and folk folksy alternative stuff they've been influenced by Fleetwood Mac, The Beatles, um, and to an extent um, probably Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yeah, man, I I um, I agree with what you just said. All this stuff kind of builds on each other. I think that my musical sensibilities, you can definitely trace back to people like, in terms of the stuff that I'm listening to now, you can also, you can definitely trace back to people like Stevie Wonder um, in terms of like the kind of chords he uses and um, also his propensity for like kind of protest music as well. um, And some of those songs and some of the lyrics and stuff. But what did you, listening to Talking Book, what did you think while you were listening to it? Um, how familiar are you with, with Stevie Wonder? Um, I am familiar the way you were familiar with Fleetwood Mac, where you're like, oh, man, I didn't realize this was them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so listening to Stevie Wonder, I was like, oh, wow. And part of the deep dive, I can't even remember what song popped up that I was like, 
Um, oh, this is Stevie Wonder. We're already doing a Stevie Wonder um, album. So I kind of tossed it away. But uh, it's such a good album. I really enjoyed it. And he's super talented. Like throughout listening to the whole thing, I was like, wow, I cannot believe. And like it, you texting me and being like, oh, yeah, like this was he put out this album when he was like in his 20s. And I'm like, yeah. God, what what is life being early in your 20s and you're putting out your 15th album? Yeah, like, I can't even <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Um, and. Uh, I mean, I was, I was super impressed by the album, but again, I tend to think about like, wow, this, this album has most definitely influenced, um, plenty of like the pop R&B soul artists of today. But I, man, I feel like it doesn't really matter the genre. Like they're pulling something from, um, artists like Stevie Wonder, like there's something there because he's doing a lot and i mean i would not consider it to be like super experimental but i'm sure at the time it was yeah yeah it's 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 pretty crazy i don't even actually like i don't even know kind of where to begin with him because like what i said earlier like to me he's like the highest level of music and there isn't really anyone like him now um In terms of, I guess you could kind of make the Michael Jackson parallel in terms of someone who, you know, started off really young. He was kind of this child prodigy and he was making albums when he was like, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old um, under, you know, he went by like little Stevie Wonder, right? And he, you know, he played harmonica, he plays piano and um, these are like 60s albums and he's, you know, he's doing this, you know, he's doing cover albums and things like that. And he's, again, like the child prodigy or whatever. And you get to a period like Music of My Mind of then Talking Book where he's kind of shifting direction and he's kind of taking more ownership over his own music. And kind of like what we talked about with Janet last week mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, exerting more of his own influence. And, um, you know, it's, I, it's, it's like, imagine if like, you know, like a Justin Bieber grows up and he becomes like this, I don't even know who to compare him to. He grows up and becomes like a Beyonce or something. You know, it's just, it's, it's, and, and that's not to shade Justin Bieber, who's obviously like super popular or whatever, and a good musician in his own right. But like, this is a, a, a kid who is making albums when he's 12 and 13. And, you know, he's, he's great musician and everything like that, singer. But then he, when he grows up, he just, the, the genius is just off the charts. And, you know, Stevie Wonder to me, he makes the most beautiful music ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, my the first dance at my wedding was a song of his off of Songs of the Key of Life. Um, you know, he's a song like You and I. Like I was just I'd never heard that song before. And I was listening to it in my car on the way home from work, and I was just like about to cry because it's so beautiful. Like it's just I he's again like 22 years old putting this music out. I just, I can't even fathom that. And he won, he won album of the year from the Grammys, like three out of four years. And he was like 23, 24 and 26 or something like that. Like he's just, I don't know, like the great ones, I guess just kind of have genius pouring out of them from an early age, but 
Um, you know, Stevie is someone who also has these iconic songs and he has a couple of I- iconic songs on this album, especially, you know, maybe Superstition is maybe his most famous song ever and it's on this this album. But as a whole, it's just like as a piece of cohesive work, it's just so brilliant that it's just kind of like staggering to me. It's, I don't know, it's pretty crazy. What did you think about, you know, some of the songs in terms of like the ballads there's there's a couple ballads on the song on this album and like you know he has the upbeat stuff like superstition but he also has the ballads like what did you think of that that mix i guess i thought that the ballads were really well done but i appreciated that there was the mix like a full album of ballads is a hard no for me um yeah we did that last week <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just like oh my gosh i get it you feel love that's nice. Um, <laughs> but I didn't feel that way listening to this album, even for like the ballads. I was like, man, this is just so nice. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, I, you listen to music. Like sometimes you listen to music. You're like, yeah, I get it. Okay. This is fine. Um, I'll forget this. And probably it'll disappear. And it's, it has like no staying power, but like, I feel like every song off of talking book, like it's just the composition is so good that you're like, man, I need to go back and listen to this and like just figure it out. Cause there's so like, I, I say like, there's so much going on, but like um, there is in terms of like the instruments and like he, like the lyrics are great. His voice is great. It all together is, um, it's really impressive it and of of course i would i think that it's like one of those albums where it's like wow this is like so significant in like modern music that you can't just like listen to the ballads and be like "Mm, this is okay um like it you can't (laughs) yeah you mentioned like it being such a kind of like a watershed moment in modern music and you you mentioned earlier about it being you know kind of innovative and things like that which it was and he's kind of like that person in the seventies that really um, pushed forward on like using synthesizers in the way that he did. And you can certainly draw a parallel between, you know, Prince taking some of that, um, which we'll, you know, we'll we'll talk about parade in a little bit, but like, that's certainly, you know, that type of stuff doesn't exist. You know, with, uh, I think of a song uh, on purple rain, there's a song like um, I would die for you. And that's really synth heavy, like the synth the synth synthesizer kind of like drives the um drives the beat forward in a way that you know that that type of stuff doesn't exist without Stevie Wonder using the synthesizer on yeah. albums like Talking Book and and Music of My Mind and Inner Visions. Like that's you know, he was pretty his his brilliance was pretty singular in that way. And he kind of had the um he had the genius to do that when he did and kind of introduced that, that style of, of popular music. And he kind of became known for that. And um, I also just want to point out that he's also playing drums a lot on this album and um, his musicianship, I think is almost underrated. Like he's known for how good he is at, at keyboards and synthesizer, but like, he's also, um, he's also playing drums on a, on a lot of this record. And I remember reading an article about that, like, people in the other musicians in the seventies, like talking about how underrated he was as a drummer. So, you know, he's just, he's just brilliant. Just all around talking, but just, just a brilliant album. 
Agreed. It's without it, we would we probably wouldn't have like the Prince, the Janets. Well, I mean, we'd have them, but it I think like you can see how his music has influenced their music. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Do you want to talk about parade? Um, yes. So you love Prince. So it was not a surprise that you picked a Prince album. Why did you pick parade? Like what, like, what do you think of it in terms of like, his? I mean, you've listened to, I feel more of Prince than I have. Um, that's mm. just an educated guess. So like, what do you, <laughs> I, I know like very popular Prince songs that come on the radio and I'm like, yes, Raspberry Beret. We know this. Yeah. yeah or yeah. Purple Rain. Like yeah. those are two Prince songs that I'm like, man, anytime these come on, I am like, all right, we're going to sing to these songs real loud. Um, but so Parade, like, what do you think of it in comparison to his other albums? And um, like you mentioned that it is the soundtrack to a movie. So <clears> like, <throat> how does that kind of factor into that? Like how you feel about the album? I'll answer your, the first part first, which is how is it, um, or why did I pick it and in terms of, or pick this one instead of some of the other ones? I was going back and forth between a bunch of his albums. First of all, Prince is the most brilliant musician of the 20th century. And um, when you talk about someone like Stevie Wonder, right? Like Stevie, Stevie Wonder played multiple instruments, so did Prince. Prince is, you know, yeah. um, expert level guitarist, piano player, drummer, bass, all of it. Um, one of the most prolific songwriters, um, writing songs not just for himself, but for other um, artists that went, um, that became hits for other people. And I mean, I didn't want to do Purple Rain because it's just, that was too popular. Um, it's a, you know, it's, it's as good as its reputation is. Purple Rain is only like nine songs, but it's just like every song is iconic. Um, I thought about doing, I was never going to do Purple Rain, but I thought about doing 1999. I thought about doing Dirty Mind. Uh, you know, the earlier Prince is kind of the more filthy Prince, um, which I enjoy. Um, this is, so Parade came out in 86 and it is the soundtrack to a movie. So Purple Rain is the soundtrack to that movie. Um, Parade is the soundtrack to a movie called Under the Cherry Moon, which I saw, I've seen a couple times when I was a kid. I'm not sure what it's about it's he's like a guy in france and he's like um he's like a swindler like a hustler guy and he like falls in love with this girl that he's supposed to be hustling something like that he directed the movie too it's not a good movie he wasn't a good director um that wasn't his strong suit but he you know this album is the soundtrack to that movie and so he plays the character the character he plays in the movie is, is named christopher tracy and so this is like Christopher Tracy's Parade, I think, is the first song on the album. Yeah. And the last song on the album is like he's singing about Christopher Tracy, which is his character in the movie. Yeah. Um, I, I picked this one because this is this is kind of um this is towards the end of his of his like classic run. So you mentioned like Raspberry Raspberry Beret, which is off of Around the World in the Day, which is the album that came after Purple Rain. And I think that this is the one that came after Parade came after Around the World in a Day. So this is all like Purple Rain is 84, Around the World in a Day is 85, Parade is 86. And then Sign of the Times, I believe, is after this. 
and that came out in 87. So he's doing an album a year. Um, and then Love Sexy comes after that, and then the Batman album, which are, you know, they're considered good, but like Sign of the Times, I think, is his last like classic album. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue like the Love Symbol album and, and Diamonds, Diamonds and Pearls isn't, isn't a classic album, but I do like that album. Um, but I, I, I kind of wanted to get into this kind of like late period, like genius out of him. And then, you know, Kissed is one of his most popular songs. It's on this album. But um, yeah, this album is, it was very influential um, on people like D'Angelo, who's one of my favorites. Um, one of my favorite artists, there's, you, you can draw direct parallels to his voodoo album. He actually used, he sampled this album and his last song on, on that album. Um, it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know what to say about him. He's just, he's brilliant. And, um, this is one of his brilliant albums and he is the reason, you know, he's one of the reasons why I play music in general. He's just like, he's the musician that I aspire to be like the most, but I can, you know, I'm nowhere near as, as brilliant as he is. Obviously he's like a hall of fame musician, artist, songwriter, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, what did you think about while you're listening to it? Um, I enjoyed it. I, again, I enjoy music from the eighties. I'm like, Oh, it's so like poppy, but yeah. like, not what we listen to for pop now um and like knowing some prince songs and kind of under like knowing that his style is like pretty pretty upbeat like it's music that i would listen to at a party and it's like a little it's interesting and he like what he does with his voice and like um i knew that he was like a he played the guitar really well. So I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like Prince is like all around, like very talented as a musician. And, um, I, I was like, this is like a peak eighties album. It's really good. Yeah. 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 Um, it's really fun. And I was like, I don't really, I don't know. I didn't realize like a full soundtrack would be one artist. Um, but I also didn't know that he directed a movie that was not good. Mm-hmm. So that all makes so much more sense. But, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but the album's really good. Um, and I, my expectation listening to Prince is like, oh, this is going to be good. It's kind of like listening to Michael Jackson or um, like Janet Jackson, like any of those people who really made a significant impact on like what pop we're listening to now. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's going to be good. Like there might be some like bad song, like there might be a bad song or two, but like for the most part during this time period, like people are listening to albums all the way through. Um, It wasn't like you would listen to only one song of an album. A couple weeks ago, I asked a friend, I was like, Oh, like, what was the last album you listened to that you really liked? And they're like, listen to the whole album. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, the whole album. And they're like, I don't listen to a whole album. I'm like, God, kids these days. Right. Um, yeah. And so, with that in mind, I'm like, well, people probably listened to this Prince album all the way through because it was the 80s and because Prince is a really good artist. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, um, it kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier in terms of like 
how musical trends have changed and stuff like that. And then, you know, back then if you're, you know, you have to, your music isn't as available to you back then like it is now. And so you're, you're probably more invested in the music that you're listening to. If you're going to a record store, if you're, you know, in the nineties, you're going to a CD store, you're going to Radio Shack or you're going to Sam Goodby or whatever else it is. And you're, you know, the CD is 1999. So you got to, you're going to get it. You're going to, hope that you like it right and even if you don't like it you're going to listen to it a lot so you can get your money's worth yep um which is you know that's kind of that's not the way it is right now but i think that that kind of attaches you to the music more and it attaches you to the artist more and so you have people like prince who had such a fervent following not just because of how brilliant he was but also just because you know you're investing in him if he's putting out a record you know you want to get it like you're investing in the artist you want it to be good so that kind of um, endears him to you more so than now versus, you know, if you're you, a new album comes on Spotify, you listen to a couple songs, you're not really feeling it. So you move on to something else. And then, you know, maybe you'll go back one day and listen to the rest of it, but maybe not. And yeah. it's just, things are just so different now. You know what I mean? It's just such a different, a different time yeah. musically. And like the storytelling is a little bit different. Like, I don't I don't necessarily think that artists today are thinking about putting together 12 to I don't know 19 songs um that like go together and tell a story and like are all like somehow they they are different like there's some differentiation but like also it's kind of in that same it's in one lane um and also, like, artists are trying to, like, keep people's attention. So they're trying to make shorter songs. And, like, if you're trying to make a song that's under two minutes, you're not necessarily trying to cram a whole story into it. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh, I'm going to get, like, this. I'm going to make it catchy so that maybe, like, this 20 seconds of the song will be used in, like, a TikTok. Um so I think man, uh, that like probably influences just like the quality of the music we're consuming that comes out now. Not only are we not like listening to the whole thing, but like artists are not creating it for us to listen to the whole thing. And you don't get that like attachment. That's definitely true. Yeah. The way the albums are structured and, you know, artists are aware of different musical trends now and how people are listening differently now. So, you know, you have to kind of, structure it in the way that people are consuming it because yeah. people are consuming music very, very differently now than, um, than when these albums came out, like the, the landscape has changed so much. And, um, that was a cool part of about listening this week as we kind of wrap up the series, mm-hmm. um, you know, going forward in time, like we did, like we did, but then kind of going back these last two weeks and kind of, um, engaging with a different era of music and kind of comparing the two and, you know, I remember, I remember music in the '90s, and you know, um, people like NSYNC coming out, and Britney Spears, or you know, the popular, you know, the pop people. Yep. And how um, how many records they sold, and how big a deal that was. And then, you know, in some ways, music has kind of merged together. It's kind of, you know, kind of the people who have been 
now the pop stars are really influenced by things like hip hop and and stuff like that. But then it's also at the same time become kind of more splintered. Like there's a lot more um, kind of niche content for people to, Mm -hmm. as a result of the internet to kind of find their own lane and kind of stay in that lane more so than it was um, 20, 15, 20, 25 years ago. So um, this exercise has been, has been great in that regard and in terms of, um, engaging with different eras and, and comparing it to now, and then also maybe even kind of considering where music goes, you know, in the future from here. Hopefully, it goes back in this same direction where we kind of came from, and get albums like Rumors and Talking Book and Parade that are excellent. Like, yeah, we. We need that. <laughs> we really like for people who are want to sit down and they want to listen to an album and be like, yes, I enjoy most of these songs and like I enjoy the artist and I want to listen to it on repeat. Um, I can think of like maybe one out one artist that right now I would listen to their album on repeat and do, but like the seventies, eighties, nineties, like when you would buy an album, <laughs> like I, I feel like that was the time. And so hopefully people are kind of circling back to that. And I somewhat feel they might, if they're working with these older artists. So like, I think Lizzo worked with Prince on her album. Uh-huh. Um, and her album was really good. So hopefully that's kind of an indicator that people are like, Oh, I don't necessarily need to be like, like how Drake has figured out the formula of when to release songs, but like it doesn't necessarily mean he's releasing good music. Like it's good enough, but it's not excellent. Um, so like I would assume that there are going to be more artists who or artists kind of fall into a couple categories of like, this is fast music. So like it's the fast fashion of music where you're like, yeah, like this is going to play at a club and like you'll never hear from this artist again. Um, and they made a song that was under two minutes and it was a meme. Then you have the artists who are like consistent and people listen to them, but like, they're not always doing it for the majority. It's just like, once you get so big, like who's going to be like, yeah, no, Drake is not great. Like, <laughs> yeah, like he has mastered the art of putting out music, even if it's not the best. That's true. That's facts. Yeah. And then the artists who are like, no, I want to like stay true to like what music, like where we came from, like what we've been building on, whether they're coming from like a a rock standpoint. So they kind of look at the Beatles and they're like, okay, how did they get so good? Well, they were putting out a lot of music. They were always touring. They were always putting out, um, they're trying different things or in the vein of like, I guess like soul and R&B and like, you're, you're looking towards a Stevie Wonder where it's like, okay, he, well, one was brilliant, but he was trying new things that was like not experimental in a way that you're like, yikes, why did this sounds like cats screaming? Um, but it was like very <laughs> pleasant and like long-term, very good. So hopefully that is the direction. Those are kind of the, the general three directions and we get more people in category C of like, I want to put out good music that will have a lasting impact and will like be significant towards like the evolution of music. Yeah. I think that kind of 
to go along with your point, I think we need people who want to push themselves yes. and not want to, you know, want to push themselves, want to push their musicianship, want to push their songwriting ability or, or whatever else. And I think that kind of, you know, brilliance can kind of be born out of that versus, I don't know, chasing the next TikTok sensation or, or whatever. Yeah. It certainly is a, you know, artists are kind of incentivized to do that now because they're looking for different revenue streams. And even now where, um, you know, you can't really tour right now. And, and you know, I, I think about that often in terms of the the effect that this pandemic is having on on artists and you you mentioned something just in passing with what you were just saying but like hearing a song at a bar hearing a song in a club um that's that's a very real way of finding music or engaging with music i i think about you know back when i <laughs> when we could go to bars or whatever or we could go out and hearing a song and being like, oh, never, heard, I haven't heard that one. Like the DJ's playing or whatever, and you know, I haven't, I haven't heard this one. You go home later that night or the next day, and you kind of, you're thinking about what you just heard, and you're trying to like look it up and trying to figure out what that song was. Um, that doesn't really, you know, for most people at least right now, that doesn't really exist. And so no. things like things like that are, are are just a way that the the current, you know climate or however you want to say it the, the current situation that we're in is is kind of impacting the business of music and um the way people are engaging with music so um we have no idea how long this is going to last but we know that um, in the future people are going to be you know artists are going to be figuring out new ways to to get their music out there to people and, and to to um engage with people about their music so it'll it'll it's an interesting time it'll continue to be an interesting time i guess i agree with that statement with this interesting time i just cannot wait until we are past it i agree (laughs) back to seeing live music living in austin like it's not as uh exciting when you can't go see live music fun fact Um, I, i i would imagine and austin is such a i mean that's a pretty thriving live music scene down there right um, yeah, like no matter where you go, you're going to see live music. And like, I have a couple friends who are in bands and I'm just like, man, like this was, this would be how I'd go and see other new bands because, um, it's not like it would just be them. Like they just go to a bar, you pay $5 and you see three or four bands, um, that are not all necessarily the same. So it was a good way to find like local artists, find new stuff. And it's pretty cheap. Um, and like what I've seen, like different people have gone on like Instagram live. There was one woman who I haven't seen her play live, but she, one goes live on like Instagram and Twitter, but she was also like, Hey, if you like go vote, <laughs> I'll send you a link to my new album. And I'm like, that's like another good. So like artists are just finding like different things like that, where it's like, Hey, like do this and you'll get this, uh, which like obviously was not a thing in the seventies or eighties. Like, Hey, if you go vote, like, I don't think people needed that kind of incentive to go vote. Uh, sidebar. If you didn't go vote, probably go do that. Um, please do that immediately. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you can vote early in your state, do it. If you cannot ask for the day off of work, if they will allow it, like most places are being pretty flexible, not most places. I hear of a lot of places that are being flexible (laughs) to give you time. Cannot speak for all places, but voting is very important. That was like very much a sidebar to um, how I'm sure 
artists are going to, in light of this pandemic, um, have to just be creative in how they're going to get people to listen to their music. So I'm sure after the election, they'll be like, hey, if you you know, go to like this local place and you tag them and you tag me kind of like how Instagram influencers or like mm-hmm. profiles are like, Hey, if you do this, you'll get like a free thing. So I think they're going to have to be pretty innovative in that. But then it goes back to people having a tie to the musician where like, yeah, I'm going to do this because I want to listen to your album. And I like you because I've listened all the way through and I enjoy it. And I have like an attachment to it. Yeah. This like, I, I've been thinking a lot about that. Like the, I mean, we've been talking about, we've, you know, kind of mentioned social media generally, but like, especially something like Instagram and any, anything that any social media platform that uses algorithms, like that's such a, that's going to be such a big part of, of music going forward. I'm not like, you know, I'm not, that's not the business that I'm in. That's not, you know, prognosticating that type of thing isn't what I, um, do professionally or, or anything like that. But I just feel like um, record companies making sure that the artists that they want you to hear, like that it's like blowing up in your face. Like they want that. They want it to yeah. be on your home screen. They want it to be, I mean, that's every, that's historically that's been happening, right? From, you know, record companies paying DJs to play songs, right? It, decades to go like that's it's the same stuff that's happening the same stuff that happened then like they're just finding new ways to do it now and they're going to be using whatever tools at their disposal internet wise technology wise to do that so um it'll be interesting to look at it'll be interesting to see and as, as someone who doesn't you know i used to like i was saying like i used to be so hungry and eager to find new music i'm not really like that anymore but i i am interested in in the in the direction that those types of things go in i guess do you want to get into the categories? Yes. So as we always do, we do best song, worst song, most singable, most underrated. We will start with Wovoka. What's the best song? I did Sweet Lady of Love for that one. Um, this, like we said, like this is a, this is just a groove album. And like that one was just like a groove. That song, I just really enjoyed it. It was one that jumped out to me. And one that I replayed a bunch. So that's what I went with. What did you go with? It's a good one. I enjoyed it. But Come and Get Your Love is the one that I just jammed to. And I was like, all right, this is like from a standpoint of like, what are people like, what's sticking with them? It's this. Yeah. I went with that one. It's an iconic song. Completely understandable. What did you pick for a worst song? I picked Liquid Truth. I did not super love it. Like I kind of like skipped it Mm -hmm. um, when I was doing like the listen through again. What did you pick for worst song? I picked Wovoka. This might be the first time that I did the opening song as the worst, but it just, I didn't really, it didn't sound like a lot of the other song and not in the way, because I mentioned that it was like, I think this one starts with the chant, which is cool, but like the rest of the song, I just didn't really, I enjoyed the rest of the album songs more than this one. I don't think it's a bad song. I just enjoy the other ones. It's just the one that I enjoyed the least, I guess. It checks out. What was most singable to you? I mean, you know, it's got to be Come and Get Your Love. Absolutely. It's just a great, great song. One that you sing a lot. One that, again, went to the, came back to the mainstream a lot in the, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But just a, it's just a jam, so. 
agreed. And that I picked that as most singable because it, anytime it comes on, that is a song that I will shout at people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What did you pick for most underrated? I did Sweet Lady of Love. It's just one that, again, like I, I like the groove and everything like that, but like it's not one that I'd really heard of. I hadn't heard of before um, this. There's a lot of um, Redbone songs, I guess, I hadn't heard of, but like this one I felt like should get more shine. So I did that one. What did you pick? I picked um, Sweet Lady of Love also because listening to it, I was like, wow, this song is like really good and deserves more recognition. Um, Again, it's no come and get your love, but it's like, it's good. Mm-hmm. What did you do for best song on rumors? Um, the chain. It slaps so yeah. hard. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a banger. It. Oh my God. In the seventies, they just didn't even know that this would hit so hard. My God. <laughs> um, then you picked it for best song also. I did. Yeah. Like I, you know, Again, I I sound like a nerd, but Guardians of the Galaxy two, <laughs> I loved it in that movie. And then it when it came movie. on here, yeah, when I when it came on here, I was just like, yeah, this one, this is the one, man. Like this one is great. Um, it's uh, man, what an album this is! Just an incredible album. Well, and there's so much that happens. Like the the chain has so much build up. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's really great. Um, what song would you pick? Oh, Daddy. Just because I'm like, well, this one isn't one of the ones where it comes on. I'm like, yes, we have to listen to this song. I'm like, it's okay. I'll skip through it. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not bad. It's just not, it doesn't speak to my soul. Yeah. I also did that one. Okay. Yeah. Same reasoning. I, yeah. Same reasoning. Same reasoning. Checks out. Most singable. I did dreams. It's the most popular one. Uh, most popular song from the album, maybe. Um, but it's just yeah. like. A quintessential groove like we talked about with Volca, but like these these classic rock albums it's just like this is just a groove this is one that you can kind of lay back sing the chorus like i just love it what did yeah. you pick um i picked go your own way because it like uh, this was a hard one like yeah yeah just because a lot of these songs are very singable like you you turn them up in your car and it's great um but go your own way just it's so like up tempo, but yeah. also just like it's just the ultimate like giving someone the, the middle finger. I love it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you pick for most underrated? So I picked "Go Your Own Way" for this one. Um, I almost picked it for most singable, but I didn't want to pick it for two in a row, so I did it for most underrated. Because and I don't feel like I feel like it's a pretty well known song, but I don't know. I just loved it. So I had to pick it for this one. I think this uh, category is kind ahead. of unfair for this album because yeah, most of these songs yeah. are very well known. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what'd you pick? I picked Gold Dust Woman. But I also feel like it's pretty well, like, again, most of these songs, like people have heard yeah. in something or another because it's not like it's a super long album and it's just so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, for Talking Book, what'd you pick for best song? I picked you and I, which I did not. I wouldn't have pegged me to pick that one before I listened to this album, but I, I had never heard it, and it was just so beautiful. It's another one that I've been using to put my son to sleep oh. this week. So um, it's just it's an incredible. And you know how I hate Smaltz. Yes, but this isn't 
this isn't smaltz to me. This is just like, excuse me, this is this beautiful songwriting, beautiful music. So I did you and I. What did you pick? I picked You Are the Sunshine of My Life because it just it's just so happy. And um, like it's a happy love song that isn't like vomit. Yeah. Yeah. So another beautiful song. Another yeah. one that I love. I almost picked that one too. It's an incredible song. It's so good. What'd you pick for worst song? So I don't have anything written in here because I like literally couldn't pick one. That's fair. I was, it was hard. I, was, I could like couldn't like I just I could not bring myself to pick this is the first is a first for me. But I like could not bring myself to pick a worst song on this album. I like literally couldn't. And I I went back and forth. I'm like, I can't. I was like, I just couldn't do it. Um, you have one. What did you pick? I picked maybe your baby just because I didn't love um, the repetition. Like it is sure. a good song. Like it's not a bad song. I'm just like, yeah. ah, this is like one too many times, but like still would listen to this song again. I wouldn't skip it. Yeah. It's just, I, I like couldn't do it. And I respect you for actually like being a professional and putting something in here. Um, I just couldn't do it. What did you what'd you pick from uh, most singable? Well, that's a very uh, easy answer. Yeah. And it's superstition because yeah, same. everyone Big and their same. mom knows this song. Yeah, you ha- it had to be superstition for this. Absolutely. Uh, most underrated song. I went uh, looking for another pure love, which is the second to last song on the album. Um, this is it's just a groove. Like we've been saying, it's a groove. It's uh, another beautiful song. Without being smaltzy, yep. I uh, just, I just loved it. What did you put? I put, I believe, because it's also another just really beautiful song that I don't want to like throw things when I hear. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's so great. <laughs> For parade, best song? Would you pick? Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. What? Same for you. Yeah, no, no explanation needed. One yeah, of his most iconic songs. It, um, it is. <laughs> a song that he actually wrote for someone else, but he decided to keep it because it was so good. Uh, as he should. Like, it is... Yeah. That's a peak Prince song. It is. Definitely pick is. for worst song? I picked Under the Cherry Moon. It's not a bad song. It's just, like... Um, it's slow in a way that I don't like. Mm, um, okay. I, this is one that I wish would have been a little bit more up tempo but um that's the only reason i picked it i don't think it's a bad song i just wish it wasn't um as slow as it was what did you pick i picked new position it was one of those i was like i could skip it that was kind of the uh litmus test i wasn't like this is bad i just like i would skip it and not feel too sad about it Mm -hmm. um would you pick for most singable the last song on the album sometimes it snows in april um, this is a song that I know the lyrics to, and um, it's a ballad. It's the last song. And um, this is a song that I think it was The Tonight Show. I I think that this happened, but it was after Prince died. Oh. And um, D'Angelo sang this song on The Tonight Show after, after Prince died, and it was really beautiful. Um, so I think it was D'Angelo and then Maya Rudolph. And one other person, Maya Rudolph has like a cover, a Prince cover band with this other lady. I can't remember who it is, but the three of them sang the song and it was really, really moving. So that's why I picked, picked this one. What'd you pick? I picked Kiss because it 
is one of the songs that I was like, yep, this is a song that I turn up when it's on the radio and when it's on a playlist. I'm like, yes. It just it prob- makes me laugh when I hear it. And I just, it's such yeah. a happy song. This is probably, I mean, that's the right answer. It's the, it's the right answer for this album. I just like picked sometimes it snows in April because I sing it a lot. But I mean, that's a good generally reason. like Kiss is, the, Kiss is the right answer. It's the most singable song on this album. <laughs> uh, most underrated, what'd you pick? So I picked Under the Cherry Moon. I was like, okay. this is, um, it is slower. And so I was yeah. like, oh, I kind of, I wasn't sure. So I listened to it a couple times. I'm like, this is, all right. I like that it's slower and like, not what I would expect from Prince necessarily. Mm-hmm. That is because of my very limited uh, Prince listening, where mm-hmm. it's all like very upbeat Prince. What did you pick for most underrated? I picked I Wonder You. Um, I really like it. It's a short song. It's kind of like almost an interlude, but it's like really experimental sounding. And I just really enjoy listening to it. And this is one where I, I mentioned earlier about how D'Angelo sampled this, his mm-hmm. song. Um, the last song on Voodoo was called Africa, and it samples the drum part on I Wonder You. And I just really enjoy it. So that's why I picked it. I wanted to give it some shine. It's a very solid reason to pick that. Um. It was fun. These were good albums. They were fun to listen to. These were incredible. It was really great to kind of um, dive into this, into these classic albums, like literally classic albums. Like yeah. these are the most classic of, of the classics. So this was really fun. And this entire experience was fun. Um, going through these albums, going through time. This was, this was really great. I'm really glad that we did this. Same. It was, it was a good exercise and just like looking at music and, in an easy way to kind of see the evolution which i love to see so very fun very cool if you haven't listened to these albums go listen please Uh, do and then next week we're gonna do a mailbag episode looking forward to this um our mailbag episodes are always fun so yeah send us send us uh send us your questions tweet at us and and we'll answer them next week it'll be the last of the music but thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next week See you all.